Ever quit a job? Ever redefined yourself within one? Ever started something in one big or failed? Quit, which is what you're listening to. This is a call-in show. Hopefully we're going to help some people sort out their lives, reevaluate their options, and maybe even kick their crummy corporate stooge jobs to the curb and start something awesome. I'm Dan Benjamin. It's time to quit. So today is... You okay, Hattie? Yeah, I'm alive. You're coughing a little bit. I know. It's Friday, January 11th, 2013. If you want, you can uh, call in live to the show. We do need you to call in live. Makes it more interesting. You can do that by dialing 512-518-5714. Again, 512-518-5714. Now we have voicemails. We have your feedback that has been left for us on the phone, which we will get to in time. And uh, we hope, you know, we hope we can help some people today. You know, the topic that I announced, I pre-announced the topic. So we have a lot of suggestions from folks over the last week as far as like what, you know, specific questions and things like that that they would like to have answered. But I, uh, before I get to those, which were submitted on Twitter, by the way, and uh, before I start taking uh, calls, I promised last week, I promised and you know what they say, Hattie? A promise is a promise. I know. It's your it's your word. That's my producer, Hattie Cook. Hi, Hattie. Hello, how are you? Well, I'm more worried about you. You're a little, you've been, I'm, you had some kind of RHS or uh, Moises pertussis Moises is saying or that it's uh, meat withdrawal. Meat withdrawal. We had yes, an we amazing, we went to Franklin's today and we waited in line for two hours. And I say we deserved uh, a break. The last few Fridays I've been doing three or four shows a, a day. Right. Booked too many. I booked too many for you. And we've had calls and it's been... It's been crazy. So today we played crazy. a little bit of hooky and we had some barbecue. The real barbecue over at Franklin's. Oh, barbecue in Austin. This is your first time there, Hattie. It was really good, right? Yes. I feel like a true Austinite now. Yeah. I hope... Uh, well, you were, you were more of an Austinite than me in that regard. In this one regard. Yeah. So we have... Uh, last week I promised because I've been ignoring the voicemails... And uh, before I get into the voicemails, uh, which I will do first at the beginning of the show, I wanted to talk a little bit about what today's topic is going to be so you know if you want to listen. And, you know, up until now, we've had a lot of guests in the studio and we've talked about all different things. We've taken calls. We'll still take calls. But there's a topic that people ask me about all the time, especially offline or on Twitter, not during the show. And I thought it might be nice to devote the whole show to this topic. And the topic is simply the logistics of actually starting a business. Like, it's great when you have the idea. But how do you actually, like, okay, I have an idea, I have a website, maybe you're even doing some business. What do you need to have set up in place? What needs to be in place? How do you do it? How do you do, do you incorporate? What is an incorporation? What is an S-Corp? What is an LLC? Do I take money? Do I take an investment? How do I go about doing that? Do I need insurance? Do I need an accountant? Do I need a, a, a tax attorney? And how do I go about that? And I, I put that idea out there about a week ago and I had some wonderful questions come in both via email and on Twitter. So we will be, uh, we will be talking about that. Now I got I to say, I don't know if, if this matters. I asked uh, for some legal advice and no one gave it to me. If I have to have some kind of disclaimer, like, you know, I am not a tax attorney. I'm not an attorney. I'm not a professional authorized business advisor or anything like that. So I'm not anything except uh, a guy who's made a ton of mistakes and learned a little bit from them. So that's it. So don't, you know, 
take don't, this with a grain of salt. Yeah, I mean, I'm I, like I, I don't think I'm like authorized to give legal advice or anything. Right. So, if you like what I have to say and it makes sense to you, you you can try it. You should double check it. Don't you know <laughs> if it doesn't work, don't come back and say that didn't work. But hopefully, hopefully, this is the best advice you'll ever get. All right, let's uh, do a quick voicemail. Hi, Dan. This is at JDHWI. I sent you a message last night on Twitter, and you said to call in. Uh, basically, the problem I'm having is I'd like to get out of my corporate stooge job, um, but uh, I, I don't really feel like I have any sort of skills or, or services that I can provide or, or you know, turned into another career that I could make make a living off of. Um, so I'm wondering, you know, what what your suggestions are for that, and how to figure out what I do, um, you know, to survive, uh, sort of on my own. Um, I do have uh, a wife and a kid that I need to make sure I continue to support. And um, I mean, she works too, but you know, I, I still need to, you know, keep up my my half of it. Um, so just wondering what your suggestions. Okay, so then, then he. Uh... He goes on a little bit. I need leave some contact information, which we probably shouldn't have go on the air. That's a really good question. And this is a situation that's kind of interesting because most of the time that uh, people are calling in, they have a business idea, they have something already. And this guy is saying, hey, I want to do something different. I don't like the job that I have, but like, I don't know. I don't know what to do. How do I figure out what I can do to survive? I got to pay bills. I don't just want to sit there and, you know, lean on, my wife and count on her salary and count on her income. This is a tough question. But I mean, here's the thing. This is, and this is going to sound like a cop-out answer. I'm sorry. But you've got to do the thing that you really love, that you're passionate about. If you love the thing that you do, and this is, I mean, every everybody I've ever heard, everybody I've ever looked up to, every role model I've ever had in in who's been successful in whatever line of work they're in, always says, well, I love it. And it doesn't feel like work to me. Or maybe it doesn't feel like work most of the time. And that's the key to it. There, there has to be something, caller, voicemailer. There has to be something that you like to do. And if you can figure out what that thing is that you like to do and find out how to make money, that could be the thing to do. But it's, it's tough if you don't already have, you know, most of the people that call into this show, say, well, I'm a developer. Or, oh, I take photographs on the side and I think I could make a business out of it or something. I'm sure that you would be surprised if you were to look at yourself, you would probably figure out that there are other skills that you have and other things that you like to do and other things that you're qualified to do or something that's interested you. I know so many people and Garrett Diamond, who was on the show recently, he wanted to build an issue tracking system. He'd never written a line of programming code. He was a designer, new CSS and HTML, but he'd never written Rails and he taught himself Rails because he wanted to build something. He had an idea to build something. So he taught himself Rails. And trust me, I, I mean, it, yeah, it helps if you have a background like in HTML and CSS and things like that. I mean, that's certainly going to help you in learning how to program. But it doesn't go far. It doesn't last long. You find you've got to learn an entirely new set of skills. But he was interested in building this thing. He had a goal. He had an idea. So pursue that. Think of the thing that's going to challenge you that you're going to enjoy doing and teach it to yourself and figure it out and doors will open it's just the way it works. And we'll do one more uh, voicemail. Then I'll talk a little bit about today's subject and we'll take some calls and then go over the Twitter. 
this uh, voice no wants to work. There. Hi, this message wow. for Dan. I'm a huge fan of your show and wanted to give my quick story. Uh, I actually quit uh, corporate America twice to launch my own business and uh, I guess failed twice, but uh, keep going at it. But I wanted to share what I thought might be some good advice for your listeners, too. Instead of making a, a sort of harsh transition for people from having a corporate job to not having a corporate job and going full bore on their own, uh, there are ways to, to transition between the two. One of them could be um, use your vacation days and sick days to uh, compensate when, you're, when you've got a lot of work on your – a lot of freelance work. Um, and it's kind of a good way to add some uh, some work to your freelance work without really uh, killing your, your job. Also, um, some states like California, I believe, you can go from 40 hours a week to 32 hours a week without losing – you might lose some of your benefits, but not all of them. And some of- right. So what he's talking about is that they, he's calling from Walnut Creek in California. There's a lot of companies. Thanks for the call, both you guys. There, there are a lot of places where you can technically stay full time. I'm doing air quotes full time and only do 32, 35 hours. You keep your status. To make that work, you really need an employer who's going to support it, though. <clears throat> you need to tell your employer what you're thinking about doing. And I'll tell you what, I would much rather have an employee come to me and say, uh, hey, I, you know, I really want to do X or I'm starting business X. I really, this is something I'm really passionate about. And I wanted to talk to you about how I can make that work because that's this thing that I'm really passionate about. And it doesn't mean that I don't like working here, but this is my dream. Now I have a choice as an employer, as does your employer, if you were to go to them with this. My choice is, do I support my employee and, and help them maybe, maybe help them do something that's amazing. Or do I get pissed off at them and maybe fire them? Now, generally, the, the rules are, if you're going to be a good employer, you support your employees. They should be able to come to you with, with a question or a problem, and you should be able to do something that can help them. Now, if the idea is really good, I'm... I might, I might want to help that person. I might say, Hey, listen, you know what? That really is a good idea. And I'd love to support you doing that. And I'm crazy enough to say, why don't, why don't you do that on Fridays? Or why don't you work on that two hours a day or whatever? You know, and in return, guess what? I'll, I'll invest in your idea. I mean, I might do that. You might be surprised what your employer is going to do. Now, if you work at a typical corporate stooge job, uh, then the chances of them supporting that are probably much lower. They're probably not going to do that. In fact, I would say they're almost guaranteed not to do that. You know what I'm talking about when I talk about a corporate stooge. This, is, this was me for many, many years. This is a person who goes to work and sits in a cube all day. And if you, you probably have one of those little, I forget what those things are called. They're those little cubes that they're completely hermetically sealed and they have a little fish in them, maybe a snail. And that's the only life that you have to look at. And that just sits on your desk and you stare at that. Maybe at one point you had a plant and it died. You probably have a computer that's old. And your life is a series of different pain points every day. Lots of meetings. You spend most of your time in meetings. And it seems like nothing ever comes out of the meetings. Nothing ever happens. 
in the meetings. No decisions are ever really made because nobody ever wants to be accountable. Nobody ever wants to have any blame. And yet everybody wants to be attached to all the good projects, even though they don't go anywhere. This is the life of the corporate stooge. This is my life for a while. I think you know what I'm talking about. That's the corporate stooge job. That's the corporate stooge. And that's what I'm trying to help people get get out of. It doesn't mean quitting your job necessarily. Maybe you can reinvent your job. But I'm under the assumption today, at least for today's topic, and we're going to go to the calls in a second. But this is the thing. Is that when once you finally have that idea and you have that business, you need to start something. You need to start that company. You need to create that legal entity, maybe, to contain it. So let's talk about that for a second, then we'll get to these calls. So on Twitter, I said, uh, if, if you want to ask a question about this, if you want to get specific and you have something you know, direct that you want to ask me, you can ask and you put the tag quit show, one word. And there's so many, there's, there are so many really great questions. And so one of them, let me go to one of them here because there's the whole man, there's so many good ones. Okay, here's a good one from Caleb Zirki, I'm going to say. Says, I've recently started a tech repair and consulting business. Would you recommend forming an LLC right away? What is an LLC? What is an S corporation? What is a corporation? What are any of these things? Well, these are important things to know. These are the kinds of things that you need to know. So here's kind of the gist. And I, pro- I promise I won't, I won't spend too much time on this. If you already have a corporation, you're rolling your eyes like, I think I know what it is, Dan. Don't worry, I'm not going to spend all day on this. A corporation, whether it's an LLC or a traditional corporation, an S corporation, these are simply legal entities that you create that are separate entities for the most part. They have their own rights. They have their own responsibilities. And I'm talking about U.S. stuff here. I don't know how it works over in the U.K. or Australia or whatever. I'm sure it's similar. These entities are treated independently. You can, they, can, they can own things. They have bank accounts. They even have what is essentially their own social security number. It's called a federal employee identification number or EIN, employee, employer identification number. That's basically a social security number for the company. And the company owns its own stuff. If you buy a computer for the company, the company owns that. There's tons of advantages of having something like this. The main one that people will cite is it limits your liability as a business owner. And what exactly does that mean? It means in theory, and again, I'm stressing the in theory part, and this also varies state to state. The state laws are different. But it's going to limit your liability if you screw up. So that in theory, if you screw up, and again, I say in theory because in practice, this isn't necessarily true, but in theory, it should protect you or at least protect your personal assets from some kind of lawsuit. And we're very litigious here in the US. Everybody's suing everybody else. You haven't really done business until you've been either in or threatened with a potential lawsuit. You're not really doing business until there's been a lawsuit or something threatened. But that's one of the things that it does. But it also allows you to work more easily with other companies. So for example, let's say that you are, this, this guy started up, what did he say? He said he started up a tech repair and consulting business. 
If he screws up some of his repairs, I mean, someone might sue him. But what it also means is that if he goes to do some, you know, consulting work for a company, when they write him out a check, they don't have to have him fill out 1090. He doesn't have to fill out a 1099. He doesn't have to fill out any W forms. They're writing him out a check like rent money. One company to another. They just write him out a check. It's super, super simple for companies to deal with you. Because you're, you're a legal, you have this special legal entity that's set up. They don't have to worry about how you're going to report your taxes. That's your problem. I don't care how, you know, how Sears reports their taxes when I go buy a hammer from them. Who cares? That's their problem. Well, that's how these companies get to work with you when you have this kind of legal entity in place. It saves a lot of headache. It saves a lot of hassle, at least from their standpoint. It also means you can employ people. It also means you can have a separate bank account. It gives you tons and tons and tons of advantages. But there's something that we're overlooking here. And that is the, sole, the concept of a sole proprietorship. A sole proprietorship, and again, it depends on the state. But most of the time, you know, let's say I want to start my own uh, handyman business. I could call it, uh, you know, Dan Benjamin Handyman. And I could go and open an account under that name. And I could start receiving checks under that name. And I could get, put something out in the yellow pages under that name. And I don't need to file a single piece of paper to do that. I just go open a new account. That's a sole proprietorship. But then I do need to worry about 1099s. I do need to worry about liability. I do need to worry about how I'm going to get taxed on that money. But it doesn't matter if you're just doing simple, easy stuff. So for this guy who's doing the, the business of consulting, if your business is straightforward enough, for example, if you're, just, if you're just doing freelance web design, if someone's just hiring you to write code, if you don't deal with thousands of different clients, just be a sole proprietor. Just let someone pay your checks. And whenever you get paid, make a mental note to set aside a third of your income. So if you do something that's, that you get paid a thousand bucks for, set aside about 300 bucks because that's probably what you're going to owe in taxes. As long as you do that, and as long as you're not worried about being sued and you're not doing thousands of things for thousands of different people, if you have two or three clients a year, sole proprietorship might just be fine. But eventually, eventually you will get to the point where you will want to form a corporation or an LLC. Now, this is when you get into the concept of whether you want it to be an LLC or an S corporation, what used to be called the antiquated term subchapter S corporation. Now, with a regular corporation, you've got incredible complexity. You've got limitations on the activities that you can do based on this thing called a corporate charter. You have done tons of regulation. You have tons of record-keeping rules. You have something called double taxation, which is the worst thing in the world. Uh, you basically pay taxes on corporate profits and again on the dividends. You don't want that. Trust me. S Corporation avoids that last issue. So you get your share of the income of whatever you own in the company. You get to, to deduct the loss. And then whatever is left you, goes on your personal income. It's not subject to self-employment tax in most places, the way like a partnership is. But you've got this issues with tax years. You've got limits on who can be a shareholder if that's something that you want to do. Limits on how much you can contribute to like your retirement plan. I mean, it's, a, it's tedious. You avoid a lot of that headache though with a limited liability corporation, the famous LLC. Everyone's an LLC now. The major advantage of an LLC is that it has the same kind of taxation that an S-Corp has, which is called, by the way, pass-through taxation. 
It's exciting stuff. But you get even more flexibility on how you run it. You can have different kinds of classes of SOC. You can have tons of different members who are people that can own or not own part of the business. The, the way that profits and losses are distributed is up to you. I mean, it's, it's way, way, way more. And you get uh, still get a degree of protection. So does it sound like I'm recommending the LLC? I kind of am. I kind of am. The reason that I like it, if for no other reason is, when I had an S corporation, which I had for many years, if I wanted to pay myself, I had to do payroll. So if I made 10 grand, if I did a design a development project and I got a $10,000 check and I wanted some of that money to like go buy food for my family, I had to give myself a payroll. I had to do a payroll check. And if I needed more than that normal payroll, I had to give myself a bonus. And all of this stuff had to be documented. What a hassle. For one person, one employee, what a nightmare. With an LLC, guess what? That LLC can be created as a pass-through entity. What that means is the money that comes in, it's your money. And moving money from the bank account of the LLC to your own personal account to pay yourself, IRS doesn't care. It's just like moving money from your savings account to your checking account. They could care less. So you have a lot of advantages with an LLC. For the most part, you are going to be treated, for all intents and purposes, as a sole proprietor, but you still have that additional layer of protection. You still have that ability to work with other businesses. Now, I'm sure that I've got some of this stuff wrong, and I'm sure that it's different from state to state, but this kind of gives you the idea of how these things work. But then we're going to get to the next stage after I take a question, because I got a people who've been on hold. I don't like to leave people on hold for more than 15 minutes, Hattie. I know. They've been on hold for a little while. Nice people. So I want to address that. But the, the main thing you have is get, I can't, I can't stress this enough, Hattie. Mm. Find either a CPA or even better, a tax attorney and go to them and pay them their ridiculous, exorbitant, bloated fee mm. for a consultation and have them create the appropriate tax entity for you for you it's so worth it i incorporated myself from all the i've had so many businesses and so many like s corporations and LLCs and and done things wrong and not been aware of when to file a certain thing or whatever you know just going through the paperwork to create because when you create a regular corporation and you want to convert it to an s corp you have to file something called an s corp election there's so many paperworks and things. The tax attorney is just going to have all this for you. And you're going to pay him a couple hundred bucks just to talk to you. And you're going to pay him another five or 600 bucks just to set all this up for you. But if you don't, and so this is why I say, be a sole proprietorship as long as you possibly can. And when you've got a few thousand bucks in the bank, that's profit. And you're thinking, man, I, should I go out and, you know, go, go buy that, uh, New computer, or should I have the company properly set up? I would pick the latter. I would have, I would pick the latter. I would have the tax attorney. Notice I'm saying tax attorney, not accountant. This is somebody who is a lawyer. And you pay them money, and they do it right. And they even have a courier who will go to their office, and they will courier your documentation from the courthouse to you. And you'll have an incorporation or an LLC set up like that day. It's amazing what these people can do. 
All right. So uh, Jason from Providence, Rhode Island, needs a rabbi. And before I take his call, I have to explain what he's talking about. Uh, back in the old days, the rabbi was not just the guy who would, uh, you know, lead uh, lead the service in the temple. He 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 was the he was the dude you went to for advice. He was the guy that you went to to settle a dispute. You and your wife are having an argument. He'd settle it for you. Your next door neighbor can't agree on a fence line. The rabbi would help you out. So that's what I think he means. Is that right, Hattie? Yep, exactly. He was referencing uh, Merlin. Brought it up on back to work. Yeah. a while back. So this is this is what he needs. Jason, how are you doing? Did he go away? I don't think so. I clicked the thing. This is okay. Oh, there there he is. he is. Oh, I just hung up on him. You get we get it. We get to have him right fast. I hung up on him because what happens is I need to. I need separate. Call back, Jason. Call back, Jason. Because this is the way the thing is that when you yeah, click hang it, up, it, it goes it, in the it, thing hang up. Yeah, that's a design issue, Hattie. Yeah, we need to it, redesign it, this. But the, you know what? The good news is lag time. I lag now time. have GitHub access. Oh. to this project and I can make oh, the changes I need change and I can and I can like. I can redeploy it. That's nice. Eric that finally very... gave me the access oh, that I sweet. needed. So hopefully uh, he'll call back. Yeah. In the meantime, are these people's names real? Yeah. Ezekiel? Mm-hmm. All right. I've, I'm just clicking once this yeah, time. Don't, don't touch anything. Hello? Ezekiel. Hey. You're in San Francisco. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, recently in San Francisco, so I had an awful court pursued job. I, I could not stand my life working there, doing a bunch of Perl and Java stuff. That's and, the worst, uh, dude. That's almost uh, as bad as Python. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I've been listening to the show since uh, what is it? Since um, back to work started, and got me thinking about you know quitting to do my own thing. So I. Uh, that the founders of this startup, I won't mention their name for reasons that will be obvious in a minute, okay. uh, at a conference, and uh, started doing some work with them and ended up moving down here to uh, work for them full-time in San Francisco from Seattle. And uh, three weeks after I moved down here, before uh, I've had breakfast one day, they uh, say, hey, we need to have a talk. And they let me on. And so now here I am down in San Francisco, and I'm like, okay, well, what am I going to do? Um, so I started looking for some uh, some freelance. So you're saying they 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 fired you? They let you go? Yeah, they let me go. wasn't fired. Let me go though. After three weeks. Okay, well, hang on. Before you go to your next thing, why yeah. do you think that they? let you go was it did they make it clear was there a reason did they give you severance or what's the story because did you move out you moved out there for the job yeah yeah i moved out there. so you moved out there for the job you're there three weeks and they let you go yeah yeah so uh basically came down to communication issues like i didn't hear anything about the communication issues until this talk one day well, you know standard startup thing like i'm living in a house with them etc um, you lived in a like they, lived in a like, house, or you mean lived? You're exaggerating because you spent so much time there. No, no, I I actually lived there, like on the couch. I just bought my bed the day before. That's weird. Yeah, yeah, it is a little weird. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that that's not typical. Hmm. Like I've worked at a few I, startups. I, I, I never lived in anyone's house except mine 
when I was doing startups. Were they also living there? Yeah, the whole startup lived there. Hmm. Okay, continue. Yeah, so I was down there in Palo Alto, and then that happened. I'm like, okay, well, I'm, uh, I'm going to head up into the city and you know see what freelance work I can find and all that. And had a little bit of money in the bank, so I could take a little bit of a gamble before having to look for some awful corporate stooge thing again. Right. And, uh, yeah, so now I've, it looks like I've got some work lined up. It's not a great rate, way less than I was making my corporate stooge gig. But the upside is now I'm doing a bunch of, uh, spending a bunch of time on open source stuff and that's super fun. So I'm, uh, I'm real happy with this, even though the financial prospects and the security is pretty terrible right now. Okay. So in the chat room, they're saying that um, this is somewhat common in the Bay Area now, that essentially that they're forming a coding sweatshop house, basically. A.F. Waller says this. Yeah, that's, it's pretty common, uh, especially with the, the seed round uh, startups in Palo Alto and Mountain View and whatnot. Did, it, did they make you wear special sneakers or all black or anything weird like that? Or was it could you wear whatever no, clothing? No, nothing like that. Did they make you wait but outside I, I, on the front step for, you know, several days with no food? And if you moved, they would hit you with a broom or anything or? No, no, no Zen style stuff. Okay. Did they give you any special rules? Like you cannot, the first rule is do not talk about it. The second rule is do not talk about it or anything like that. I'm just trying to feel this out. Nope. It was nothing, nothing real weird like that. Okay. So you, you, um, and you went there when they let, I'm still focused on this one other part. When they let you go, did they, they kick you out of the house at the same time that you can't live in the house anymore? Uh, essentially, but like they paid for a week up at this hacker hostel and staying at in the city. It wasn't like entirely unfriendly. It was basically just, you know, we don't want to be around you. We don't think this is awkward. Uh, so here's money for a place to stay. Here's, uh, Here's some severance pay, not a lot, just a little. All right. Um, and, and now, and now you're okay. So now you're you're living it uh, like a temporary. You're living it like a halfway house. <laughs> Effectively, yeah. kind of like where Morgan Freeman's uh, character was in Shawshank Redemption. That's how I'm imagining it. Is that uh, safe? I have not seen that movie. So okay. Couldn't say. I'll say yes. That's where the same room that Brooks was in. Uh, so it, now. You're faced with with either finding, you're asking me if you want to find a corporate stooge job and go back to that or try and find another startup. But you're in you're in the Bay Area in San Francisco and you can write Java and you can write Perl and you are smart enough to not do Python. Well, I'm, I'm mainly doing Ruby on Rails. So Good for you. That's more on just, yeah, mainly I'm just sharing a story. Like I've already got a freelance gig lined up. So I want to stick with freelance so I can work less for other people and, you know, do stuff. I care about open source stuff, learning, maybe travel if I can get remote gigs. So it's, it's more just like, I hope this works out before, you know, I have to go get a corporate stooge job. Here's a nice, here's a nice thing. In my mind, that'd be at worst. Yeah. Here's a nice thing about a corporate stooge job. And then I'll, I'll, I'll let you go. I appreciate you sharing your story, but here's a nice thing about a corporate stooge job is you can go and get one of these jobs and, you know, I, I feel like there's a minimum commitment you need to make whenever you take a job. There's a minimum commitment. It, depending on your age and depending on the job, that could be three months. That could be six months. Maybe it's a year. Maybe it's nine months. 
I think I think that I'm not going to tell you what that number should be. I'm not going to tell you, oh, it needs to be six months. In it, For me, I feel like a, a six months is a safe number. But most of the time, you know if you like a job right away. You know after a couple of weeks that you like it. But if you make that commitment, taking a corporate stooge job for six months, and as long as you're giving it your all, even if you don't like it, I mean – there's not going to be any hard feelings. You try something out, you give it your all, you give that company something back and then you leave if it's six months, if it's nine months, if it's a year and you get yourself back up on your feet, you learn some new skills, you give them their money's worth, you you know, you know, show up on time and you work really hard and, and then you're back on your feet, you're living in a place, you go and then you go and find you your freelance work, you do a startup. I mean, I think that's a reasonable thing to do. I wouldn't consider that to be a failure. It's not like you're, you know, going back to live with your parents and, and you know, working at a Denny's, no offense. <laughs> right, you know what I'm right. saying? Yeah, it's just the environment. I mean, you know, I've heard you talk about it. I don't want to be in that environment again if I can help it. But I, I, there's some good companies out here. So worst case, I can, I can probably get in one of the good ones and that'd be awesome. Well, good luck to you. I hope you, I hope you call back and let us know in a few months what you decide to do. Okay. Cool. All right. Thanks for the call. Hattie's going to find out what this noise is in the hall right now. Okay, she just let him know. What was going on out there, Hattie? Why are they having meetings right the outside meetings our door? I don't know. Right outside our door, they're having meetings. <laughs> How many headphones can I have on? You're going to have two on, apparently. All right. Now, this time I'm unmuting Jason. Hi. Oh, Dra- Jason, Jason, I'm not qualified to be a rabbi, but I can give you a blessing. Well, I appreciate that. Do you want it in English so, um, or Hebrew? Uh, I would like the transliteration. I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> um, yeah, so I was actually the um, first and until today only voicemail that was on the show. So I recently switched jobs and everything is going well. Okay. It's a two-year position. So I've been kind of knowing ever since I went into it that I have to be setting myself up for the future long-term, that this wasn't a long-term gig. So I've been starting to do that kind of work, but I really liked what um, Merlin said, and I was thinking about what you said last week. So I think it was Derek who just lost his job about working 7 to 11 every night, Monday through Friday, to make sure it doesn't happen to him again. Right. And just, you know, it's easy to know where I want to be in 10 steps, but sometimes it's really hard. You've got to find someone who's really good at it now, who'd sit down and take time to tell you about, this is the right step one, two, and three. Because otherwise you end up spinning your wheels a lot, and there's a lot of extra pain and work, and I only have another year and a half or so. So I'm really trying to find out, how do you identify those folks and say, you know, where do I start? I mean, that's a really good question. Starting is the hard part, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. What is uh? What what do you feel? What why don't you answer that for me? Well, uh, you know the challenge for me is that I, I like the field that I'm in, and it's very limited outside of academics. So yeah. I, I do data analysis research, but for education specifically. Mm. And so everyone's got their PhD, but that's not actually a good path because I'm the job I have now is a job that people who have PhDs get. Right. So I could go back to school for four or five years, but then I end up right back in the I same am. place. Do you, yeah, do, you so feel, it, do you feel that getting an advanced degree like a PhD for, for the field that you're in is uh, unnecessary then, is overrated? Is that what you think? Um, it, it, only if you want it to be a professor type is it really necessary. 
And there are definitely some folks who won't hire you if you don't have it. Yeah. But for the most part, in terms of actually getting the job done, it's really not required. You know, I mean, I'm, I am like, I think, uh, I think I've talked about this in a previous show. Most of the folks in my family have further degrees, advanced degrees, whether it's a master's degree or a doctorate, uh, mm -hmm. at least master's. And I can look at them and I can, you know, look at what I've done. And I, I've seen what so many other folks have done. I just, I think I, first of all, I have a lot of respect for education. My family's in education. So many of them. Uh, and I feel like, uh, I feel like there's, you know, there's a lot of advantages to having an advanced degree. The main one has nothing to do with jobs. It has to do with learning about something that you're really genuinely interested in. Now, there are certain jobs, obviously doctors, law, engineering, where you really can't do very much in the field professionally unless you have that kind of a degree, right? But I just want people to be clear that if you're passionate about something and you really are interested in it and you want to learn everything there is to know about it, go get that degree. But don't necessarily expect that having an advanced degree in a subject that does not require that degree just to do the work is going to get you more money or get you anything. It might right out of school, but if you were in there for an extra year or two, it, you might be making the same money as your peers who graduated and spent a year or two working. Uh, I'm biased. I'm biased against it. I mean, I have to admit that. I, I, I think people who go out there, get a, you know, get a degree, roll up their sleeves and go right to work. I mean, am I going to say that that's going to work for you better? Well, I mean, it, I don't know, but getting out there into the work workforce, even if it's a corporate stooge job and being a productive member of society and earning your own keep for a while and giving your parents a break, living in your own apartment as crappy as it is, paying your own bills, there's something really cool about that. Going to the grocery store and saying, you know what? I earned this money and I bought this food and I made this, you know, this sandwich myself with my money, all my stuff. Nobody helped. That's pretty damn rewarding. Anyway, I know that's not what yeah. you called to ask about. No, I completely agree. I actually do have my master's and I ended up doing it right after undergraduate because I switched my field. But I'm really happy where I am now. And I guess the real challenge being young is... I've always known what the next step was because I've been in school for so long. Mm. And there's this transition to really learning that in a very different way when you're not in school anymore. You know, there's no 101 to course 102 and just ask your professor, well, I like this part. What's the next class to take? And there's that kind of challenge. And that's where I really think a rabbi can be very helpful is finding that person to say like, yeah, you know, I actually studied this way back in school or I already learned how to do that. And here's the path that I took. And that, that's the kind of the transition that I'm having a little bit of challenge with is how do I keep that trajectory of learning going um, without having so much guidance the way you have when you're in a school? That's a good question. I mean, uh, and I'll, I'm, I'm going to let you go after that. Um, yeah, no but, problem. you know, I mean, I find that, that it, the kind of job that you have, the kind of job that you have, if you have a good job, you're going to be required to learn. You're going to be absolutely required to learn stuff when you're doing that job to learn something new. When I took my first jobs, I was in, a, and I'm not saying this is good, but I was in a constant state of panic about the things I didn't know that I knew that I needed to learn just to be able to do my job. Why did I exaggerate what I knew? Well, you know, if they said, Oh, have you ever done this? I'd say, no, but I, I know how to do it. 
And then I would go and figure out how to do it. I mean, that's, that's the kind of thing that, you know, you really, you have to challenge yourself. But you, tell me something. Have you ever learned anything that you weren't genuinely interested in and retained it? I mean, maybe no, you have. I, have. I haven't. If I wasn't interested in it, I'd, know, I'd remember it long enough to take that test or perform that task and I'd be done. But the stuff that I was interested in, and a lot of that could be because I had a good teacher. But if the stuff that I was interested in, I mean, I still remember so much of my Western Civ two class because my teacher was so good. I was never interested in Western Civ. I hated that class. And when I got into his class, he was the best. He got us interested in it. Well, that's the attitude you need to have when you're trying to learn something new, when you face a problem in your job. Trust me, if you're the kind of person that, that's curious and wants to learn, you don't have to worry about yourself. So listen, I got to let you go, Jason. Thanks very much for the call. Do you want a blessing or not? Uh, I'm, I'm good for now, but thanks for letting me back on the air after the drop. Appreciate Are you sure? Because I got a blessing ready for you. All right, let's go for it. Baruch Atad All right, have a good one. Friday night. Thanks. Bye. So long. You know what that, that was, was cool. for? You know what that was for? No. I'll leave it to listeners. I'll tell you later. So some of the people, I want to go, I, I know we get a call on hold for 31 minutes, Matt in Ohio. I haven't forgotten about you, Matt. I'm going to get to Matt in a second. Unless I hang up on him. I'm going to try not to. <laughs> Just don't touch anything. Yeah, I won't touch anything. But there, I want to go back to a couple of these questions. The number to dial if you want to be on the air, by the way, it's 512-518-5714. Again, the number 512, that's Austin. 518-5714. We need to get a, set up a toll-free number. Can you get on that, Hattie? Toll-free number? Set up a toll-free number. Toll-free call-in? Yeah. Here's a question Will Pierce asks. How do I best price for my freelance illustration? It's not like I'm starting a cafe and can benchmark menus. Freelance illustration. Mm-hmm. Will Pierce. That's a, such a good question. And he says also, he says, what's the best way to figure that price when you don't have a point of reference for clients' budgets when you're new? I mean, first of all, something should cost what it costs, regardless of what your client's budget is. My advice is be sensitive to your client's budget Perhaps adjust your price based on a discount if your client uh, really wants your work and you feel that it would be worth it. I mean, Hattie, I shouldn't say this on the air, but sometimes if we have a, a sponsor who wants to do a long-term sponsorship yeah. deal, we, we'll discount. Right. Because, because it's going to save us time. It's going to save us work, right? It's it's a win-win for both parties. We're going to get booked for the year and right. they're going to have they're going to actually book for the year and not have to worry about it for the rest of the year and get their ads placed. Right. So we, we're saving ourselves time. And gaining more time by giving up a little bit of our profit. That's fine. So you can adjust your prices if you feel like, oh, this client is going to be a big win, Will. But, and this is something I I have no idea where you would go to price illustration work. But here's something you can do. Be a potential client yourself. And contact other illustrators. And say, I would like to have an illustration done. It is this much... It is this kind of thing. Would you mind sharing with me your rates? Well, is that a little deceitful? Well, kind of. So there's another way to do it if that's uncomfortable right, to you. Right, if, that, if that's not what you're into. If, if yeah. you don't want to do that, you know what? Be totally honest and say, I'm a new illustrator. I don't know how much to charge. I really respect your work. I really yeah. love what you do. Would you mind sharing with me a place that I could go to find out 
how to charge. Obviously, I'm nowhere near your caliber and experience, right. but it would be wonderful Any to know what you Any kind of direction charge. would be helpful. You know, I yeah. do voiceover work. Did you know that, Hattie? No, because I almost never get to do it anymore. Hmm. But I used to. And I had a rate that I charged. And how did I find out the rate? I went out and I contacted some uh, folks who do voiceover work. And I said, how much do you charge for two hours of voiceover work? I didn't get specific about anything. I just asked them, how much do you charge? And they came back and they, they, they told me, they shared it with me. I don't think it's a trade secret. You okay, Hattie? You're, you're dying. You've been coughing like that for days. Are you ever, would you ever go to a doctor? Would you ever consider going to a doctor and getting diagnosed? It's an allergy attack. It's not an allergy. All right, fine. So contact some people. If you, don't, if you don't want to get specific about why, just go and contact them. If you want to get specific about why, then just tell them. I mean, if, if you were in a situation where somebody was coming to you and saying, uh, you know, you're experienced, how much do you charge? Why would you not share that? That's, I mean, it's almost public information, almost. So that's, that's what I would say there. All right, let me uh, take another call. Then I want to talk a little bit more about setting up a corporation and getting a tax attorney and accounts and everything else. All right, Matt in Ohio. Hi, how's it going? It's going good. How are you? Good. Uh, I just really wanted to tell you, Dan, and everybody on 5 by 5 what a great job you guys are doing. Uh, I listen to your shows every day, and I think it's really great what you're doing with uh, Quit. Uh, I listen every week, and I'm a huge fan. Well, thanks, Matt. That's really nice of you to say. I didn't know we had any fans in Ohio. <laughs> yeah, I'm one of your uh, younger listeners. How old are you? Uh, and well, I'm at, uh, 16. 16. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I might not have a job, but you're kind of helping me to figure things out. And uh, I just wanted to say thanks so much and uh, keep up the good work. Well, thanks for calling. Before you go, I want to I want to find out how did you how did you find out about the, of all shows? How did you find out about this show and why it's 16? Are you man? 16. Why are you listening? Why are you listening to this? This show is for like people who've become really cynical and angry and bitter and want to, you know, figure their lives out. You're, you know, why are you listening to this? Yeah, you're yeah. in the your prime of your life. <laughs> so uh, I was just like looking through uh, Apple's top podcasts and I uh, <laughs> decided to listen to uh, your show and uh, it's just uh, really great. And uh, yeah, um, I really like what you guys do. Uh, the frequency is uh, one of my favorite shows and, uh, I just wanted to say thanks. All right, Matt. Well, thanks so much for the call. Gosh, I appreciate it. You're too nice. Go out and play. I don't <laughs> know. You. Go, go, you know, go drive a car and go see a drive-in movie or with a girl or something. <laughs> I mean, you're 16. Live, drive-in you know. movie. I don't know. What do they do at 16 anymore? I don't wow. know. You know. Get some, uh, drink some lemonade. <laughs> All right. I don't know what you do. Listen, seriously. Prime your life, man. Learn all you can right now. Right. Yeah. Your mind is like a sponge. It is. There's so much that I was like, oh my gosh, I would go back and learn languages and everything. Spon now I can't do that. I mean, I guess I kind of can. Sponge it up, Matt. Sponge it up. Thanks for the call, dude. All right. Thank you. All right. Bye. Thanks. 16 years old, Hattie. I'm glad he's listening to this Sounds now. Like I I, seriously, I, I wish I had this 16. damn show when I was 16. I know. Straighten me out. Imagine all the time and money I could have saved if I had myself doing this show like Looper. Kids these days. I don't understand the whole premise of Looper. You haven't seen it yet. You can't not understand it But why it if you find yourself from the future, why wouldn't you just like say, dude, what, tell me what I'm doing wrong? 
Because that's not what the movie's about. No, that's stupid. That's not it's kind doing. of about that. Don't don't Gosh, worry. About if it. I could go back in time to talk to my eighteen year old self, I wish I could. I would sit beat down the and... crap out of that kid. Oh man, I would teach that I'd kid be like, a I'd freaking be like, lesson. How are you doing everything right, but just what a jerk. Don't be so emotional. I don't know with Matt. Matt, I feel <laughs> I feel I good about Matt. Seriously, go he out. He seems like he's in a good. In you're a good saying spot. they don't have drive-ins. They had an awesome drive-in in Orlando. It was the best way to see I a wish, movie. You I put mean, the little thing on your window. I wish we had a drive-in here in Austin. You know what? You know what? That would be awesome. Just saying. Awesome. Think about it in your mind. I've got we it. Do our own. We'd make our own. Oh, I've got it. Do I have a sponsor to do? You do have a sponsor. It's your fave. Oh, you did? Did you message that to me? Oh no! It's you can you can do this. You want me you to wing this one? You don't need. You any also read sent for me this. a picture of yourself that was taken from your own computer. Yep. With two sets of headphones on. Two sets of but headphones. But I can see that right from where I'm sitting. Micro- I know. <laughs> oh, okay. You don't need any anything for that. Sponsor this week on Quit with Squarespace.com. Everything. You need. I do need it. To create an exceptional website. Here's a, here's a free for 14 days. And you get 24-7 support. And you don't even have to give them a credit card. It's amazing. What is it? This is a fully hosted system to create your website. You do everything with drag and drop. You pick one of their templates. And you, you go to town on it. You want to integrate Twitter. You want to integrate Facebook. You want to cross post to those things. You want amazing analytics. You want built-in scaling, built-in free. Well, it's not free. I mean, it's, it's part of the deal. The, the hosting, everything is free. You just pay. <laughs> That's right. You pay. You don't pay a lot, though. It's 10 bucks a month. Now, if you sign up for a year, you're going to get 20% off. If you sign up for two years, you're going to get 25% off. You also get a free domain name if you sign up for a year or two years. They also have something called an unlimited plan, which is 20 bucks a month. But the basic thing is 10 bucks a month. Okay. And if, if you go to squarespace.com slash quit, that's how you support this show. Just going there, just going there will support the show. Squarespace.com slash quit. If you want to try it out, 14-day free trial, then you use the code STOOGE1, S-T-O-O-G-E-1, STOOGE1, and you'll get 10% off no matter what plan you pick. And what I recommend is if you're already, if you're using another system, you can import seamlessly all of the data from that other system into Squarespace. And that's how I would do it. Go over there, get on the 14-day trial, customize the heck out of this thing, and then import all of your content from wherever it was before and see if you like it. See if you like how it looks. See if you like using it, posting it. I think you will. You need help? Call their uh, their 24-7 support. Well, email technically. It's a really amazing uh, site and the folks are wonderful up in New York. Squarespace.com slash quit. Go check it out. All right, I'm going to read this number again. I'm, I, I don't want to do too many calls today, Addie. Yeah. I don't want to do too many calls, but I'll read the number again. 512-518-5714. So a lot of people have asked, okay, do you, do you start by getting the incorporation? I did that. I had a really great idea for business. So I went and filed the corporation, paid the money, you know, a couple hundred bucks, got an account, put money in the account, never did anything with the business Wound up just shutting it down. Blew all that money. 
wait until you get to that point. Wait until there's an actual need, whether that need is determined by, man, we're getting more clients. I'm worried about being sued or I want some kind of protection for myself or I want to hire an employee or I want a separation of taxes or I don't, I can't keep track of all these receipts. In that case, but then you're ready to start a business, but wait until you need it. You know what? There was a really neat article I was reading about martial arts. This is about 10 or 15 years ago, but I still remember this article. And how do you go like this? I'm listening. The instructor, the martial arts instructor said, the key to martial arts and whatever version he was teaching is, he said, react like a bird. What does that mean, react like a bird? It sounds silly. Always move. Well, only move at the absolute last possible second. You ever been That's dri- so bird You ever been driving down the road and there's like that stupid dove or pigeon the just pigeon. standing there? And, you're and like, as you I'm drive, you're like, you. I'm going to hit it. I know I'm going to hit just, it. Bleh. I know I'm going to hit it. And at the very last second, the la- right when you, your car is almost second, on top, yeah. you see the bird just, poof, it's gone right over your car. It's fine. It was never worried. It was never worried. It moved at the exact last possible second. That's the key to business. Move at the last possible second. So if you need, yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying don't plan ahead, but wait until you need to do something before you do it. When it comes to things like this, when it comes to making that decision of should I incorporate? Yeah, you probably will need to, but wait until you need to don't don't planning ahead is very good when it comes to business strategy, but in the actual day-to-day business stuff, don't incorporate for something you don't think you're going to need it. There are plenty of people out there who have no incorporation at all, who are very, very successful designers, engineers, programmers, IT folks, people, you know, doing all kinds of things. And the reality is you, it's likely you probably won't even need to until you get to a certain size. And that size is going to be determined based on what it is that you're doing. It's, there's no recipe for that. I would like to uh, say a follow-up that there is a drive-in movie theater in Austin. Really? Where is it? Yep. It's between uh, Airport Boulevard and 51st. Or no. Yep. Airport and 51st in okay. between those two exits on 35. That's a 35. crappy area, though. Yeah, it's a little far. I'm not but, going there. Well, it's not terrible. but it's not, it's not like a bad area. It's just kind of crappy. Well, it, look, there's a big open area. It's like a park kind of area. It'll be fine. It's fine. Grant H., when a visa restricts you to no freelance work, is money important or stability? You know, I mean, that's a weird one. I have no idea uh, about visa restrictions and things like that. Um, to me, my gut instinct is to say, well, stability is more important. Stability is what you want to strive for. Stability in your life gives you peace of mind. It gives you the ability to try new things and explore and relax. And not be stressed. And yet, having a lot of money in the bank is a form of stability, isn't it? If you had, if I told you listeners right now, all of you, you have zero debt and a hundred thousand bucks in the bank, what would you do? Would you quit your job instantaneously or would you keep working? Would you try doing freelance stuff? Would you go part time? Would you travel? I remember years and years ago, maybe eight to 10 years ago. No, more than that. You know, my wife and I had been living in a house and we'd been saving our money. And I was talking to uh, some, uh, I was uh, having lunch with a recruiter at a consulting company. And uh, uh, we were, uh, 
we were talking about it and somehow in, a, in conversation, something came up and she said something to the effect of, man, if I had $15,000 in the bank, I wouldn't be sitting here. I'd be sitting on a beach in Mexico. And she didn't say it like as a joke. She meant it. I wouldn't be sitting here with you at lunch doing this corporate recruiter job. I'd be on a beach in Mexico. And I thought to myself, well, my wife and I have saved $15,000 and we're out of debt. And I'm, I'm, I'm here trying to get a job. What would you do if you had $100,000 in the bank right now and zero debt? Would you continue doing your job? Would you find a new one? That's something you should ask yourself because if your answer is, you know what? No, I, I actually kind of like what I'm doing and a hundred thousand bucks. I'm, I'm smart enough to know that that's not being rich. Having a hundred thousand dollars in the bank is not being rich. That's having a nice cushion so that you could maybe invest it, have something to fall back on, go through hard times, go on a vacation, when handle you actually a medical have emergency, yeah. afford to have a child. That's nice. That's certainly a goal to have, but it's not like I said, oh, you have $10 million in the bank. I remember I was working with a designer. He had a really great business. And I didn't know exactly how much he was making. But I knew it was a pretty good amount of money. And he had sort of a cookie cutter format, a sort of cookie cutter way he could do sites. And he'd get two new clients a week and he'd probably charge them 15, 2,000 bucks a week to go out. Not cumulative. I'm talking, you know, projects per week. And he could knock out one of those websites in a day. It was pretty, pretty nice business. And I said, man, you, you must be ready to retire. He says, no, I need $11 million before I can retire. I said, 11 million. He said, yes. I said, why 11 million and not 12 or 15 or eight? And he had done the math and he had said, well, to live at the level that I'm living now for the rest of my life, but never have to work again, I would need to have $11 million in the bank or however it was invested in order to be able to live at this current level and spend what I spend right now. And I thought that was pretty interesting. He had worked it out, you know. So, you know, that's something to think about. Stability. It's stability. Now, how much money, Hattie, do you think you need to have? I'm not asking you personally. I'm not asking you for a number. I'm asking you in measured in months of salary. How many months of salary do you feel you would need to have in the bank in order to feel comfortable? Now, I know... You have a family who would support you if you were suddenly unemployed. Right, I do and many, have that. Many that people luxury. do have that. Right. Many people do have that, whether they realize it or but not. But if, if, if that was not an option. Right. If you were on your own or you just didn't. And most people I know, you, I know you wouldn't want to have to fall back no, on your never. family. Most people would never want to do that. Right. Uh, but I'm just saying. Right. Um, you know, and, and most people, if you really were to say, you know, yeah. Your parents, even if you're 30, your parents would probably let you stay there if you ran into really hard times. But I'm saying if you were just... If that was just take that not the, an option. Yeah. Right. Not on the option. How, how many months of salary do you feel comfortable how many you would need to have? Um, to feel comfortable. Just in the back of your mind to like alleviate that stress. Six, six to 10 months. Six to 10 months. To I think just be perfectly safe. I mean, like if I lost my job the next day and I had six months of salary, I'd be like... I'm going to be okay. You're going to be all right. okay. See, I think that's a wonderful okay. answer. I think six months is probably a reasonable or, number. I mean, I'm not going to be like calm and relaxed, but I'm going to be like, at least, you know, I'm not pulling my hair out. Yeah. For most people, I've heard, I've heard that the answer most people will say is three months. Yeah. For me, 
I like a little bit more cushion. I, I just have to, just I, in case. The answer for me is like I with kids and everything. Oh, yeah, it feels like a year. Yeah, that's different when you have kids. I mean, me, it's like, uh, well, I could just eat chicken for the rest <laughs> yeah. of you know this year. And but imagine not that. Spend imagine any money. Imagine because I know a lot of our listeners are saying, "Dude, I'm ten thousand dollars in debt right now. I'm twenty thousand dollars. I'm forty thousand dollars in debt." Right, and you have to take. And debt I'm paying into bills, account. and if I lose my job or I don't have a job, then, I've got a month before right. I'm in trouble. Yeah, before I'm declaring bankruptcy. That's scary, and that's yeah. real. That's America, by the way. Right, right. That's that's the United States of America. That's the unfortunately. norm. That's the norm is having, and it's a lot of it is uh, college. To it, it's like college tuition, tuition. it's poor use of credit cards. I mean, and taking loans, loans out. Yeah. No, I didn't. I mean, I didn't get a credit card for a long time, and it wasn't so much that you know my parents didn't trust me or whatever. It was more just they didn't want me to have to worry about that if I messed up or whatever. They just were like, you know what? Let's deal with that when the time comes. Yeah, I had my first credit card when <laughs> I, I was, built credit up just fine. It was fine. I never, you know, I was sixteen years old, and I got a. Uh, wasn't Citibank, it was Chase. And I had a four hundred dollar credit limit and I had no idea what a human being could spend four hundred dollars on. That's how I feel. You know, I'm what like, could you possibly buy for four hundred dollars? Well, to me, a I would be too way too scared to buy something that I knew that I didn't have the money for. Oh, it's a credit card, you just pay it back. No. That's going to freak me out. Hmm. I'm I'm too skitzy like that. I don't know. Kevin McAllister says, how bad is it and how much will it cost my friend, he has in quotes, to untangle his books because he's been winging it. Hmm. And he says, if you don't take a salary, how do you handle eating, buying your kids uh, toys and paying bills? And those are related, his two related questions. Well, this is the nice thing about an LLC. You have to, he, I, he's saying if you don't take a salary, he says, do you, do you need to paper the neighborhood with NDAs or can you talk to people using your best judgment? He's talking about how you get clients. He's got a series of complicated questions here. Well, let me go to the first one. How bad is it and how much will it cost to untangle books because you've been winging it? Don't wing it. If you're listening to this show right now and you're thinking about starting something, man, don't, don't wing it. Go to an accountant and get an accountant or a bookkeeper and have them set everything up for you. It will cost you a couple of hundred dollars. Having an accountant makes the, all the difference They will in the world. set everything up for you. They will create the QuickBooks account. Get them to do QuickBooks online or something. And they and will... sit down and have them explain it to you and what they're doing and why they're doing it and how you can do it and yeah. all and that. And then when you leave there, you and, and it's going to be it's going to be the worst Two hours of your life. Yeah. I promise. I promise you. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be the worst two hours of your life. It's, you're going to be miserable. You're going to be miserable. You're going to hate it. But you're going to come out of there knowing what to do. You're going to come out of there with knowledge. You're going to come out of there with access to QuickBooks Online or whatever they set you up with. And you're going to be able to enter in these stupid and do it. Do it. Just enter in these awful transactions, as horrible as this is, because at the end of the year, you're going to know exactly where everything stands. You're going to be able to give this to your accountant, to your CPA, to whoever. And you know what? If this is so distasteful to you that you just can't bear to do it like me, then hire a bookkeeper who's probably going to charge you a hundred bucks a month. And they're going to do all of this stuff for you and they can invoice for you and they can make sure that you get paid. They can make sure that you pay your bills. I'm getting a new one. I'm trying to find a new one in Austin, by the way, if, you listen, if you're listening to this and you're a bookkeeper, 
and you're really good, call me. Adam Sharp says, setting up a business costs money. Should you invest in it upfront before you have a complete product or vice versa? Well, setting up a business does cost money. And I think we've been kind of talking about this. I am, I really think you, you, you build the thing first and then set up the business for it. That's just my gut feeling on this because I've done it both ways. And what if you never finish that product? Now you spent 500 bucks starting up a new business and you've got no product for it and you wasted that money. And you got to pay money to keep that business going. You got to set up separate accounts. You got to take money out of your account and put it into that one. That's no fun. Dan says, at what size or complexity do you think it makes sense to outsource your bookkeeping and taxes? Immediately. I think immediately. I think day one. That is the cost of doing business. If you're not willing to spend that money and you, you, you convinced yourself that you can do it, you're crazy. Spend the money, find an accountant, find a bookkeeper, outsource that. Outsource that the way that you outsource the oil change in your car. I used to do all the oil changes in my car myself. I used to go to, uh, to Walmart or Kmart and I'd buy 20 W50 and I'd buy the right oil filter and I would get under my car with a jack. And at one point I said, why the heck am I doing this? It costs 20, 20 bucks to do this. You got 25 bucks or whatever to get an oil change on this crap car I had at the time. This is a long time ago. Why am I doing this? Can't I do something more with that hour of my own time that would make $25 or more? Can't I do something I'd like better? This is the same thing with the accounting stuff. And, and you will make mistakes. And those mistakes will cost you money, a lot of money. Trust me. I've had to pay those fines. Just let someone else do it immediately. Immediately. Somebody asked me one more thing and then I'll take this last call. Somebody asked me uh, what you think. Okay, well, actually, here's, here's a good version of that question right here. Here's a very good version of that. Naming one's own business seems way more difficult than expected. Any tips? Maybe that's a separate topic. It's, a, it's definitely a separate topic, but it's, it is related enough to bring this up. Some friends uh, of mine today told me about a new name that they were thinking of for their company. It's a great name. I can't say it on the show yet. Naming is so important. Naming is still one of the most important things that you could possibly do for your company. Having a bad name will hurt you. Having a bad name will limit the amount of business that you get. Having a bad name will control or decide whether a customer becomes a customer. There's, a, it's like the most important thing. Having a bad name, you can, you can get past a bad name, but it's always going to be a challenge. You can get past a bad name, but it's work. Having a good name, and listen, don't sweat it if the .com is not available. Don't sweat that. Get the .net, get the .co, get the .tv, get whatever. Don't worry about that. Oh, we couldn't get the .com, so I'm not going to pick that name. Don't sweat it. But having a good company name 
That's how people are going to remember you. That's how people are going to think of the thing that you do. I've had some dumbass names and they hurt every single time. That is so important. I can't stress that enough. And run that name by everybody that you trust. Not publicly, don't tweet about it. But go to every single one of your friends and prepare yourself mentally, mentally prepare yourself for them to hate it. Because there will be people who will tell you and tell them, say, listen, ah, and play it, play it down, like nonchalant, like, ah, you know, here's the name I thought of. I'm not sure if I really like it or not, but, uh, you know, I'm going to call my product Skype. What do you think? Skype. Is that a good name? And they'll say, oh, Skype, that's a great name. Or, oh, that's the worst. But if you play it down, if they, if they like it, they'll tell you they like it. We actually applauded. A group of us applauded the name that our friends uh, suggested to us today. We applauded as a group. It was so good. That's the kind of response you want. That's what you want. Now, I'm not saying you're going to get that every time. But people should say, that's cool. I like that. You should do that. Ask everybody you know before you go public with it. All right, area code 502. I told Hattie to stop screening because she was feeling, uh, she's coughing too much. What's, Hello? Yeah, what's up with you? Who are you? This is Byron. How are you? Good, how are you doing? Just fine. What you calling hey. about? I, I was just calling in about uh, reinventing yourself and uh, listening to some of the callers from last week, like Derek, who didn't think that there was any marketable skill or how to, how to do the resume. And uh, I was in a similar situation as Derek where um, basically a month before uh, losing my job, the boss came to town and said, hey, you guys got a month and then there's, there's no more work. And, uh, the job I was doing, I was a cable installer and, uh, there really isn't anything marketable that you're learning there. It's kind of like a start out job. You can do it for a little while, but, um, I was in a position where I'd moved out to Kentucky for the job and I lost it and I didn't have any family. There was nowhere I could go and no, no, uh, you know, nowhere to, to, to talk to, nobody to talk to to find a, another gig. So um, for me, it was about figuring out what I learned as a cable installer and how I could apply that to a, another job. And there was a cable company, an MSO, that was in the town that, that I was working in. So I went and got a job there um, as a network uh, engineer, basically. But, you know, I had to, I had to come up with a plan and, the, and, and learn about the job. And, and for that kind of job, there's certifications you can get. But... I knew that uh, it was going to take at least a year to start out in a network operations kind of call center right. and work work my way up. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, that was the other part of it was just having the plan. Like, how long was I going to do that before it was time to move on and look for uh, opportunities elsewhere? And that, anyway, that that's a good. I mean, what a situation, though. But how are you doing now? I'm doing great. I'm actually making twice as much as I ever made installing cable. Um, it took me a year, and I got the network engineer position. Um, but I had to, you know, the other hiccup I ran into is they, they were willing to promote me to the job, but they weren't willing to pay, you know, the, what the salary, you know, what that position kind of commanded. So I had to go, you know, I had to drop everything there and start looking again. But what I had gained, you know, going into that job, it was more about what am I going to learn? from everybody around me because I was new. I was just starting out in this kind of new career. Yeah. So I had to, 
asked a ton of questions, learned as much as I possibly could, and proved that I could do the job. And I think I did that pretty successfully. Um, and, and that really helped with the next set of interviews, going to the to another company, because, um, you know, everybody's looking for a good employee. So if you can just show that you can do the work and, and be a good employee and willing to learn, willing to even relocate, um, there's, I just think there's tons of employers that are looking for people like that. That takes a lot of courage, though. I mean, most people are afraid to make those kinds of changes, the kind of changes that you made. And then, look, you were in a situation where you had a month left. That had to be scary. And then you yeah, were willing to say, look, I'm going to I'm going to reinvent this. I'm going to start back at square one at something new. And it's going to suck for a while. But, look, you know, you did it. You made it through. Right. Yeah. And it, the, the, the nice thing when I, looking back on it was I, this decision was made for me. I don't think I would have made the decision myself if I knew that job was going to be there. But, you know, the, you just have to, you know, you have to push on through, like you said. And um, there's definitely, there's definitely going to be a low point. But um, if it's something you really like doing, you're, you're going to push on through and it will pay off in the end, definitely. That's great advice, man. And, and listen, don't don't shortchange yourself. What you did took a lot of courage, man. It's great. I applaud you. Thanks. Thanks for the call. Yep. Think about that. You know, you're doing cable installation. You got a month left. Goes back, reinvents himself, get, becomes a guy in a network ops center. All right. Let's make this the last call. It's called area code 201. Who's this? Hi, Dan. It's uh, Brian. Big fan of 5x5. Wanted to call in. I uh, heard, heard something you were talking about last week, and I'm kind of in the same situation. What, what's going on uh, with you? Well, uh, I took a job that I had to because I got laid off um, from my previous job because they were moving. And uh, I thought it was going to be good because uh, I'd be working under somebody who I wanted to learn a lot from. But right. now, uh, he's never at the company. So... Uh, not really what uh, I'm liking. And, same thing. Uh, that's the same thing that happened to me. I went to you know yeah, I went to work at that place and I, I wanted to I wanted to learn from a guy who I thought could be a great mentor to me. And by, and by the way, I mean any any opportunity I had to work with him and uh, and talk to him was great. But then he was just less and less there. He was doing other things for the business. He got pulled away from it, and the main reason I was there was sort of taken away. Is that, is that like what you mean? That's exactly what I'm going through right now, and. Uh, I'm living in New Jersey. I do have a wife. I do have a new baby. Uh, and I do freelance work on the side. I teach uh, Pro Tools and I teach Logic. And, um, you know, that's making me a good hour great. So my real question was, uh, you know, I kind of wanted to leave this 9 to 5 and, you know, focus on freelance work because I make a better hourly rate. But I just don't know how to set that up while I have my current 9 to 5. Yeah. I mean... That was my, my main problem. Well... So how much how much time do you have to yourself right now? That's free time. Zero. I'm guessing zero. Uh, I mean, I do freelance work after a regular nine to five job most of the time. I'm looking to you know cut that out and focus mainly on freelance. Uh, so I mean, maybe basically the weekends, <laughs> yeah. Saturday and Sunday, baby. <sighs> yeah, um, I mean that's that's tough. It's tough. Um, and and this is you know this is when I get into that uh, that thing that I say. Uh, where you, you know, it's tough to do, it's tough to start something when you're doing something else. I mean, and you combine the, the responsibility and the time it takes to have kids 
on top of that, I mean, things start to really suffer. Uh, what kind of freelance work did you say you did, or can you not say? Um, no, I, I do. I teach Pro Tools lessons. I teach Logic lessons. So, and I, I do a lot of um, audio engineering. I used to, you know, do a lot of audio engineering, but it's just not stable enough um, to where I was getting like a lot of mixes all the time. So I yeah. kind of had to stop that and get a regular uh, corporate student job, as you say. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, here's here's something that I'll uh, that I'll tell you about. You know, and I always, whenever I think of something, as far as a business goes, the people who are making the big, big money, the big, big money, I'm not talking about, you know, like, oh, I'm paying my, paying my bills. I'm talking about the big, big money. The people who are making that kind of money, those are the people who have figured out to make something they can sell while they're asleep. I'm going to get Anthony Stoffer on this show. Anthony Stoffer teaches, uh, he does these uh, guitar lessons in the style of Stevie Ray Vaughan over at steviesnacks.com. He's one of my friends. He's also one of my, uh, to be honest, he's one of my heroes because he's managed to come. He was like an IT corporate stooge. I mean, you talk about a corp, corporate stooge. He's the poster child for the corporate stooges. He's, you know, other corporate stooges would call him a corporate stooge. And that's bad. You know, that's, I know. And uh, he came out of this because he played guitar. And he, he taught himself most of what he learned, if not all of it. I'm, I'm sorry if I'm getting that wrong. But the guy is an amazing... I mean, if you heard him play, you'd say, that's Stevie Ray Vaughan. No, it's him. He's, he's, he's incredibly talented. He found something he loved, and he spent tons and tons and tons of time doing it, and he got great. And he started making these videos to teach other people what he knew, what he had figured out, what he had learned, which is really great. And these videos are great. And he turned that into a business for himself, a business for himself where he was out there making videos. And guess what? While he's asleep, while he's out playing with his kid on the weekend, these videos are selling and money is going into his bank account and he doesn't have to do anything else other than continue to make and improve the videos that he has. But that video that he made three years ago that teaches, you know, pentatonic blues scale that's still a good video. It still works, and he doesn't need to touch it for it to keep selling and keep making him money. Well, if you're teaching Pro Tools and Logic, I know there's competitors out there. We have sponsors on the show like lynda.com, my buddy over at peepcode.com doing screencasts. But that doesn't mean that you couldn't go out and make, your, make these videos yourself and get something that you can invest a solid couple of weeks doing something. It might take you spread out over, it might take you a month, it might take you two months to do one. But you put that thing out there, you sell it for 10 bucks, you sell 100 copies a month, you sell 1,000 copies a month, that could be a really nice income for you and you just make more videos and make more videos. I'm not saying this is the model you have to do, but think about that. Because you're right, doing, doing audio editing, I mean, that's not going to, unless you get like a full-time gig, that's not going to be a stable job, right? But what is it that you do? And maybe that's a silly example for you. But what is it that you do that you like to do that is something that you can sell or produce that people will get involved with again and again and again? Just think about it, dude, because you can do this, but you have to use your time wisely, very wisely. I think it's an awesome idea. I really, I really appreciate that, man. Yeah, man. Thanks for the call. Take care of yourself. Thanks so much. Take care. All right. Bye. That's all the calls I'm going to do. Man, they're having a heyday out there. Colin Weir asks, what's the trick to finding clients outside your immediate professional circles? I remember one time when I was living in Orlando, there was this, uh, 
there was this like professional like club, like a, like a, it was like, a, I don't know what to call it. It was like a club. And you go to the, you'd go to the, you pay for a membership. And then they'd have these like get togethers and meetings and things like that. And you'd go in there and, uh, and they would have like, uh, like people sitting in a room. It was like the worst kind of meeting. It was boring. It was like this strange kind of meeting. And, and like they were, they were networking with each other. Nothing ever came out of it. Nothing ever came out of it. If you live in a cool city, like here, we've got uh, we've got Rails meetups here. You name the programming language, we've got meetups about it. You name the discipline, whether it's design, writing groups, doesn't matter what it is. There's there's tons of folks out here who all get together and talk to each other. Go to those meetings. Go to those meetups. Now, if you live in a crummy city that doesn't have them, obviously you're not going to be able to get anything done. But if you want to go out there and find clients, find other professional circles, go to these meetings and don't like pretend to be that. Just say, look, like I'm, I'm a programmer and I, I really wanted to meet you, you lawyers. What do you guys need? It's that simple. You don't have to pretend to be something you're not. You don't have to pretend. Go there and say, I'm really interested in your industry. Like, I want to I wanna do something in this. What do you guys need? I could do this. Anyone in here needs something built? What is it? I'll build it. You might sit through a bunch of meetings and realize you don't want to be anywhere near that industry, whatever it is. But, but finding clients is really tough. It all, I mean, Colin, I got to ask you more. I gotta, maybe you can call in next week because that's a good question. I could do a whole show just about that. But what do you do? I mean, that's, that's the real tough part of it. What do you do? Because depending on what you do is going to be, you know, is it, can you make a website? Can you take out ads? Do you just go to these meetings? Can you ask your friends? I don't know. It's tough. All right. Last question I'm going to do today. Chris Rumpf, Rumpfy on Twitter says, pointers on figuring out which professional insurance is to carry as a new business, general liability, errors and omissions, et cetera. The advice I've always been given is general liability is pretty much mandatory. You, you need that. You need that to have like an office space. You, you generally need the general liability insurance. But again, I'm, I'm not a tax attorney. Or, um, I'm not a, a CPA. And I know that the laws vary state to state. But the one, regardless of where I've lived and what I've been told, it's always general liability. You need that. It's like homeowner's insurance for a business, essentially. And if you don't have that, you're, you're taking a risk. Last, okay, here's one more. Braden Douglas says, hey, Dan Benjamin, why do you sound like you're straining to strangle some large animal on the quit show? Do I sound like that, Hattie? I mean, is that would you, you're strangling the large animal of trying to get people to realize that they can be happy and work at the same time. That's the large animal you're trying to strangle. That is, okay. So that's why. That's what I'm doing then. That's why. Um. It brings out emotion in you, you know. I, I am emotional. I'm a little upset. Dan Hefferin, what are the situations where you'd start a company as a sole proprietor instead of a single person LLC? If I'm in a situation where I I'm, I know I'm not going to have any employees, I'm not especially concerned that I'm going to get sued because I uh, I you know I had a typo in my code. Where I'm where I'm having not tons and tons of clients, but a few. And maybe where I can work from home. 
and where I know that my taxes and the way that I do business is going to be relatively simple. And I'll give you a good example of this. You're a software developer who has one or two, maybe three big big projects a year. You're a designer who is doing logo and web design work for people. You are going to be doing audio engineering, editing shows for people. You are, you know, someone who's doing video editing with Pro Tools. All of these are the kinds of things I think would be relatively straightforward and don't require a business, don't require creating a business. But when you start to like get into hiring, you know, hiring employees, getting an office, you start to have more complicated tax stuff. You're worried about getting sued. You need, you feel like you need some protection. You want other people to invest in your business or own stock in your business, or you want to give stock in your business to other people. You want to start involving other people. Or you just want to do more than just have a separate bank account to keep your taxes straight. Those are all really good reasons. But no matter what, if, if, if the only thing you remember from this episode, from this 85 minutes, is that you need to go and talk to a tax attorney and pay them $250, do that. And do that first. And it's the, it's, it's the most painful advice, but it's the best advice I can give you. Find a tax attorney. And how do you find a tax attorney? I'm sure that you know somebody in your town who has a business. Ask them who they use. And they'll probably say, oh, I use uh, such and such a person. And boy, she's great. But boy, is she expensive. But she's worth it. Go and pay the money. Pay the money. Get the great advice. You will not regret that. And um, name, you pick up a good name for your company. Because later you can change it. But man, you know what? You know what? Bank of America... They're, they're all right. But I changed the name of my company because when I first moved to, uh, to Austin, I wanted to go with a certain name. It wasn't available, so I picked another name and later went, had to go through the trouble to change it to what I had originally wanted it to be. And then I went to the bank. I said, okay, I'd like to update this, uh, you know, have this in my account now. I'd like to change the account. Oh, well, you can't. What do you mean I can't? No, you can't. Yeah, you can't do that, Mr. Benjamin. I'm really sorry. What do you mean? It's a different name. I changed the company name. Oh, well, yeah, but you you have to close out your account and open up a new account. I said, you kidding? I got all the automatic bill pay in here. I got all the, you know, the way we pay our, uh, the people that work for me, it's all set up in here. I got payroll going through this crap. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry, but we can set it all up for you again. And you just have to go through that setup process again for the new account. So no way, forget it. Just forget I ever came in. So I have the old name on my checks. What am I going to do? I said, well, wait a minute. When my wife and I got married, she changed her last name. We didn't have to close out any accounts. Oh, well, that's for a person. I said, well, I thought a business entity was considered a separate entity. Why can't it? Well, our systems aren't set up for that. So let me talk to the manager. He said, I'm sorry. We can't do it. I said, really? You can't just use your authorization as a manager? No, no, we really can't do it. So I called the 800 number. I asked them. They said the same thing. Maybe it's a law. They said it was a law. What a crappy law. Sometimes people change the names. Apple did it. Apple went from Apple Computers Inc. to Apple Inc. I wonder if they had to close out their account. Take their $62 billion, move it. Who knows? I'm not sure what my topic's going to be next week, but I think we got, did, did Joel Bush confirm for next week, Hattie? Okay. 
You don't know? I don't think so. He's the guy that runs Amplifier. He prints all our t-shirts and stuff. I don't know. He'd be a good guest to have on. I'm curious to see what he did before this because he's so good at so good. what he does. I'm so interested. Very energetic young man. Very. So we'll see. Maybe he'll be on the show. I got a couple other people lined up for next week. We're going to have a full house again next week. But I wanted to talk about this. So if you have questions, if you would like to uh, to leave some voicemails for us, I really appreciate those. You can do so by calling 512-222-8141. Again, number is 512-222-8141. You can leave your voicemail there. You can also tweet the question to me. I'm Dan Benjamin on Twitter and use the hashtag quit show. One word. And I will, or even just quit. And I will respond to that uh, here on the show. So thanks to everybody who called in. Hopefully we helped you out a little bit. Thanks, Hattie, for screening the calls for us. Definitely. And, Next uh, time I hope you so coffee. I hope not. I hope you get better. I hope you see a doctor. Are you going to go to the doctor? I don't think I need a doctor. Do you feel that bad or do you feel like you're improving? No, no, I don't. It's just, I get you this, sound better. Like, this catch in my throat and it's just... You sound like Demi Moore. I, oh, thanks. I kind of get like a, I don't know, uh, a tickle in my throat and mm. it just catches me off guard. Well, I hope you feel better. I hope all my audience feels well, better too. You. And I uh, really appreciate you listening. Quit your job, Maybe. Maybe not, but call in and tell me about it. We'll see you next week. Have a good one.